Neville, we were all, I suppose, surprised and not surprised when Kevin Anderson announced he was retiring because we knew he'd had these long-term injury problems and eventually they'd catch up with him. Um, were you surprised? Yes and no. Uh, obviously, I'm working with Riley Opelka now. We, uh, Riley played Kevin first round in Australia and it was a different Kevin that I'd seen previously. He wasn't uh, in the same space that I'd, I'd seen him prior to that and... Uh, he actually sent a message to all the people that he'd worked with throughout his career, thanking them uh, probably about a month or two before he actually called it officially a retirement. So obviously we knew it. And then I was a little surprised when he let us know, but not surprised at the same time. It's a career that my take on it is that he maximized everything that he could have got out of it. Two Grand Slam finals, well, uh, top five. Do you see it that way? Or as a coach of his, do you think he might have got a bit more... Great question. He he most definitely maximized. He, you know, when I first started working with him, many people were like, oh, he'll never be top 20 or top 10 or top 50, whatever the number sort of some people would place on him. And he never really subscribed to that. He always believed, he had a genuine belief that he could be in the top, a top player in the world. Uh, and we actually created a sort of character for him to be top five. And, you know, I was... I, when he even achieved top five, even though I wasn't coaching him at the time, I, I can remember sending him a message to congratulate him on uh, achieving a goal that we'd kind of set out when I was still working with him. When you said you created a character for being top five, what do you mean by that? Uh, you know, just like the top players have different... They do things differently to some of the other players. And, uh, you know, we, we had a list of things that... What, what would a top five player look like? And uh, it was a very small list of five things. And this was kind of like our checklist of how, how things worked. So he, he signed up for it. And one thing with him is when he bought into something, he was 1,000% all in. And uh, I think he... he Everyone that knows him knows that he, he really did his best to leave no stone unturned in his, throughout his career. And I think for the most part, he achieved that. Was one of the five things the sort of showing emotion when he won a big point? Uh, yes, uh, that was one of the things. But there was actually, a, there's more of a subplot then. You know, it was actually because people that know him once again uh, knew that that was very much against his normal character. And uh, it was really to try, and, it was actually not created by any of his coaches, it was actually done by his um, uh, psychologist who, who came up with the, the character of him really trying to extract himself out of himself, you know. And uh, it was so far out of his character that it was actually to, to designed to make him uncomfortable. Uh, and, designed and, to make him uncomfortable? Well, yes, because he had to do things, you know, to, to beat a top player and to, to execute on the highest level. You have to take yourself out of your comfort zone. And uh, he did a good job of that. And I think his results, you know, that was a sort of a process that was started probably at about April of May of 2017. And I think 2017 through to 2018 was his, the best part of his career. You used the word character again then. I'm fascinated by this character. I mean, did he did he walk differently? Did he strut his stuff around a tennis court? What, what were the little things you encouraged him to, to do or to be, to be a top five player? Well, I think it would just be more demonstrative. You know, he, you know, just to, he was very much an uh, insular person in terms of that he, he was nearly like too much of a student of the game that he was, uh, and what happens often in tennis is, is guys become too, uh, focused on the things that they need to get better instead of sometimes celebrating the things that they're doing well. And uh, that it was more along those lines than, than, than anything else. Another feature about Kevin Anderson that we perhaps forget is that he had various injury setbacks long before he had that wonderful 2017-18 when he got to two Grand Slam finals. And he's always seemed at that stage, oh, well, that's as far as he's going to go. And yet when he came back, he exceeded it. 
What was it about him that made him come back when everything seemed to be indicating he would never get back to the level he was at? Just an un- unwavering belief that he wasn't done, you know, and uh, that he still had more to achieve. And, I mean, even in 20, 2015, he had a fantastic year, top, touched the top 10, uh, made quarterfinals of the US Open, uh, you know, did, had a really great year. And, you know, 2016 started again with he had a hip, hip, hip injury and they said, oh, you know, you're going to have to have surgery. You're going to be out for whatever many months. And he, he generally always did. He, he was never scared of doing the rehab. And I think if you look at Nadal's been the same, Del Potro's been the same, Federer's even later, in the later part of his career has been the same. Guys, are not, they're not too scared of taking some time away from the game and to come back stronger, you know. So, in other words, there was a strength there that he wasn't comfortable showing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was definitely, he, you know, people that, that interviewed him, uh, he, he was not the most comfortable in front of the camera. He got a lot better at it. You know, he was not the most comfortable talking to people. He got a lot better at it. And so many things as a tennis player, you have to learn how to deal with things that are not in your normal realm of comfort. And I think he did a really good job of that. And he, he only ever wanted to be a really good tennis player. And uh, the things that are all along the side of it, you know, he had to deal with and become a lot better at because you just have to. And I think he did a, you know, he managed himself throughout his career ex- exceptionally well. And I think he, he's going to be remembered as someone that was an, uh, a true consummate professional. And for you, as someone who coached him for four years, what was the best thing about being Kevin Anderson's coach? Well, he challenged you every single day. There was never uh, an easy day. You know, he held you accountable. Uh, you had to be thinking on your feet a lot. Uh, you know, you, he, he really wanted to make sure that he was getting everything done all the time, which was sometimes not easy as a coach to convince him, you, we're on the right track, Just let's just stick with this process for an X amount of time. But, you know, he, he was a great player, and he you knew when he went out on the court, he was always going to give his best effort. And that's, that's as a coach, that's something that you can always really be, be happy about. You and he are both of South African origin. He was the leading African for a while. Africa is the toughest continent for tennis to crack because of the the lack of tournaments, the lack of support. We've seen plenty of Africans who've only made it because they've gone outside, whether to Europe or to America. How much do you think he has helped the development of tennis in Africa just by being up there? Unfortunately, not as much as, as we would have liked. Purely because, as you said, you have to leave the con- you have to leave the continent essentially and, and travel outside and be based elsewhere. So, uh, just because of that, you don't obviously maybe you don't have the same uh, power to, to change things or, or do things better or help people do things better. You know, so uh, I mean, if you ask Kevin how many how much time did he spend in South Africa in the last ten years, I mean, it would be I'd, I wouldn't even know if it was ten weeks or you know ten ten definitely not even six months. So, you know, you have to be visible to, to change things. And unfor- not through any fault of his own, he wasn't visible, you know, purely because of the traveling around and playing on the tour and being, having to be based in the U.S. And what's the feature about Kevin Anderson that you, th- that you would advocate most to a player coming up? When you say, look at someone like Kevin Anderson, what he did well was, what feature would you isolate from him to say that's what made him uh, a top five player? I just think he had a never say die attitude. Uh, he, he was never scared of rehab. He was never scared of doing putting in the hard work. Uh, sometimes to his detriment, he actually worked too hard, you know, and too long. But you know, he, he was every single time he took the court to play a match, he never gave up. He was always trying to figure out a way to win win a tennis match. And uh, I think that his his work ethic and uh, just 
what he put forward on the court was a consummate professional and really to be congratulated for that. Neville Godwin, thank you so much. Anytime. Thanks, Chris. Brad, were you surprised when Kevin called time on his career or were you surprised that actually he managed to make it last as long as it did? I would say it was probably in between those two things, you know, because he's he obviously was having, I think when you go back to 2019, he had a tough year uh, physically. He, he had an issue with his arm and then later in the year he had an issue with his knee. And so I, I think that, you know, generally there's two reasons why guys retire. They either their body gives in and they, they just can't play anymore or they lose motivation. And I think Kevin was never going to lose motivation. So ultimately, I think that the body kind of dictated his ability to continue playing or not. Take us back to the Wimbledon final of 2018. What were those two days like between that marathon semi-final and him having to take to the court against Djokovic? I mean, I'm going to go back further than that. You know, it, it, you take it back to the quarterfinal. He he beat uh, he beat Roger in the quarters after being down two sets to love and a and a match point. You know, so that was a phenomenal day to start with, and that wasn't a short match. I think that was 12-10 in the fifth, and then uh, the match with John was was uh, obviously very historic in a lot of ways. Changed the uh, changed the format at the tournament. So that was an amazing thing, and, and for him to get through it, I mean, it was very emotional afterwards. And, um, and then those days in between, man, we spent a lot of time uh, working on recovery. He had some real issues with his feet, especially. So the, uh, the on-site podiatrist spent some time working on his toes and other parts, and that was actually my biggest concern. I think his biggest concern going into the match was, uh, was how his feet were going to turn up. So when he went out there, the last thing you would say to him would be what, in the uh, locker room uh, before you have to disappear to the entourage? Just paint that picture for us. I mean, yeah, we usually usually kind of go over match strategy and things like that um, a little bit before. We were staying together in a house in Wimbledon, so, you know, we had a chance to talk a little bit before the match. And he had played Novak a couple of times, and and I think Novak of, of really the top, top guys, uh, was the guy that Kevin felt the least uh, fearful of that, or, or felt that he had the best chance against. I think, unfortunately, going into the match and having come off the match with Isner at 26-24 in the fifth, he, he was guarding himself a little bit going into the match when it first started and, and didn't really um, push as much as he probably should have right from the start. He, I think he was a little bit afraid of where his body was going to do and whether it was going to hold up. He actually played well in the third set, you know, and, and wasn't wasn't able to get through and win that set and push it to a fourth. But um, his tennis was much better in the third, you know, and I think he could have played like that right from the start and um, and just see how long his body was going to hold out. So you're saying that it was actually apprehension about the body rather than nerves or just slow to get going that actually meant he lost those first two sets two and two yeah I think so you know I think that was a big factor in it It wasn't necessarily the 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 only thing but I think it was a big factor in it that he was just concerned about how his body was going to react to getting back out on the court and playing and pushing himself at that point you know and so he he did kind of like I think just guard himself a little bit and wasn't wasn't allowing himself to play at just a maximum effort level and finally what was the biggest individual quality of Kevin Anderson? Uh, I would say his uh, his work ethic and determination. Those, those things combined. I mean, I think Kevin's a guy who, 
um, he committed everything he had to being the best player that he could possibly be, you know, and, and getting to a career high of five in the world and making two Grand Slam finals. I mean, he had a phenomenal career really overall, and especially 2018. I think 2018 is something that he can look back. He won three titles, finals of Wimbledon, um, you know, and, and got to five in the world. I think he's the highest ranked South African player in the history of the game now. So that's something that he can look back on with a lot of pride.